0: Welcome back to another episode of Super Energy. This is your host Ekta and I am very excited about this episode because this is the first time I'm getting to interview true um, innovators behind some of the most, you know, iconic products that we see not only in our skincare industry but also in the beauty industry. And I think this is such a cool turn for us here at Skincare Anarchy because it's really the first time that we're doing this and it's very, very exciting for me. So um, without further ado, I want to introduce you guys to the founder and or co-founder and CEO of Capsum. And they are a um, you know biotech company that creates some of the most amazing uh, microfluidic uh, technologies that we see in a lot of products like alginist You guys might have seen them in... Um, some products by Chanel and a lot more. So without further ado, please welcome to the show, uh, Sebastian Bardon. Welcome to the show, Sebastian.
1: Thank you. Hello, Iktan. Thank you for your very nice words.
0: Oh, no, I'm very excited. And I um, am so honored to be hosting you because I've been such a fan, you know, of uh, what you guys are doing for so many brands, you know, and what you're providing, the technology you're providing. And I can't wait to learn from you, actually, because, I think microfluidic technology is something we don't really know about as consumers. We just see it and we're always mesmerized, right, by the beautiful beads and the beautiful um, look and feel of it. But we don't really understand and comprehend like what the real science is. So from that perspective, I'm very excited. Um, I want to get started, though, Sebastian, about, you know, in terms of like learning about yourself and the brand and how everything started. If you could kind of, you know, walk us down memory lane and tell us a little bit about that.
1: Absolutely. I'm actually I am a physicist by education. I studied in the US and in France and I have a PhD in physics. Oh, wow. Then I started working uh, actually on automotive depollution systems. So hmm. as you can imagine, it was nothing. It was very hot environment and uh, very robust. so nothing to do with skincare or beauty. I did that during eight years. And after eight years, I decided I wanted to go back to school because I love to learn and to learn about the business side of life after learning about the science and the technology. So I went to uh, Sloan School at MIT during two years and I started Capsule just after these two years.
0: Wow, that's really cool. I mean, that's. I feel like that's the common ground for all of us who spend so long in education, right? It's like you never know uh, when you're going to go back, but that's cool. That's really cool. So, what made you go into microfluidics? Uh, then, what what led to the discovery of your, you know, of your work?
1: Um, I it, it was really meeting people, and it was actually meeting my co-founder. Um, I think when I finished Sloan, I was really uh, undecided on what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But I had a discussion with uh, specifically with um, Professor Dave Waits, who is at uh, Applied Engineering at Harvard University, and mm-hmm. with Jerome Bibet at ESPCI in Paris. And they really had this idea that maybe we could use microfluidic, which at that stage was very early stage. Mm-hmm. and They had been pioneered of that uh, science and this technology. It was used purely in biotech at that time to do sorting, genomics, and all this kind of thing. And we wanted to take it out of the labs to bring it to manufacturing sites and to do new products and new materials, basically.
0: Interesting. So if you could... um... Do us, you know the the favor of explaining this to us, Sebastian? In terms of like, what is microfluidic uh, technology? Just for the consumers that are listening in, and you know, to help us understand in layman terms, you know, what is really the the premise of this type of technology?
1: So, microfluidics is really about um, having fluids, and usually oil, water, but also the ingredients, the perfume. Everything you find in a cosmetic formula or in a food formula, it can be applied in different industries, of course. Um, But really manipulating these fluids in very small channels in order Mm. to avoid them to mix. Because if you put fluids in a a big pipe, basically they always mix immediately. And what microfluidics enable you to do, because you work in a very confined environment and very small tubes and pipes, Um, is to have no mixing. So you can manipulate very precisely everything you do. So for instance, if you want to play with microfluidics, you can put a drop of oil into a drop of water, then everything in a drop of oil, then everything in a drop of water, and do that as much as you want and put different active ingredients in the different layers. Um, You can put different colors in the different layers. It won't be useful because your eyes will mix all the colors. Um, yeah. but, but really for, for the exercise, you have to imagine that you can draw any liquid structure and put in every compartment, anything you like, and we can do that.
0: We can achieve it. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's like, like, so when I think of like some of the brands you work with, like I know Algenus was one of them, right? Uh Yeah. So like the little beads that we see for everyone listening, you know, if you see products with those beautiful spheres inside, um, that's microfluidic. So that's like each bead has, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, has the two different types of fluids, right? Like oil and water, something like that.
1: Yeah. So in in the NGN's product, you see uh, yellow little beads and they are the oil phase and this oil phase is put in in, uh, the liquid phase.
0: Interesting. Okay. Okay. So so they're not mixed in the actual sphere. They're mixed in, you know, like the, the liquid the spheres of the oil and the, the liquid is the actual fluid that they're right. spending. Okay. Right. Okay.
1: Absolutely. That's- and you you know, a very easy way to look at it is if you're in, in your kitchen and you do yeah, or mayonnaise, for instance, you would put oil and vinegar, which is water-based. And you will mix and everything is mixing. And and at the end, you have something that is cloudy and that contains both in in a way that is not completely controlled. You could, with our technology, do a vinaigrette with very well-defined drops of oil that would be sitting into the vinegar in a very well-controlled manner so that you would see each of them. You would control the amount of interface and you will decide to put whatever active ingredient or flavors you want in in any space
0: that's really cool i like that a lot i mean that's really for me it's so interesting that you guys have been doing this because i mean even now we are having this conversation in the beauty industry where people are always talking about you know is it a oil suspension is it you know water-based you know etc etc and we talk about this a lot because i'm always seeing products with like for example peptides you know, like a lot of peptide-based products or a lot of, um, you know, certain growth factors might be in there. And then, you know, I always run into this problem where a lot of these products are you know, they're creating so many different SKUs, right? And it's, I always wonder, it's like, you know, you could combine it if you had the right technology. So this is where I find you guys to be so interesting in the sense that, I mean, could somebody do that? Like, you know, if they had something like, you know, like epidermal growth factor, right? Or, and then they wanted to also combine something with, um, you know, with other actives, could they use your technology to do something like that?
1: Yeah, we we recently launched uh for brand a uh, uh, product where you would add two different colors of um, little beads, and that yeah. was to indicate that the two different colors would contain two different active ingredients. And oh. of course we, we can do that and multiply this approach as much
0: as you want. That's really cool. Yeah, that's really because I think that that's where the industry is kind of headed, you know, from what I'm seeing is this idea of like, you know, minimalistic skincare, but you're still not sacrificing, you know, what kind of um, actives, what kind of ingredients you want to put into your product. And so I just I find this to be so fascinating, you know, being able to use your technology for that reason you know, alone, because I mean, right now, as I'm sure you've seen, many people have those 12 products, right, in in their skincare routine, but a lot of consumers are gravitating away from that, you know, they're saying, I don't have time for this, you know, it's uh, impossible to use 10 products a day, you know, so many brands uh, that I talk to, they're always, you know, kind of, I think, on the fence, you know, some of them are doing something about it, others are still going with the conventional route, but I think it makes sense for me, you know, even as a consumer, if I see a product with something like this kind of technology that allows me to know that everything i need is here you know and it's it's scientifically viable i can use it and it's going to work you know and i want to actually um ask you about that is that this shift that you guys made so you had mentioned in the previous years you know this technology was not used in beauty or any of these kind of industries so what made you guys want to come into the beauty industry you know what was the driving force behind that
1: um it's 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 a, it's an interesting question. I'm not sure we know because when we started Dave and Jerome and myself, we didn't know anything about the beauty industry. Uh, we just, we just thought that, um, the encapsulation would be interesting for the skincare. We also thought that making visual product would be very impactful in that industry. So I think that that's where we started. And, um, we, we also found the first customer in beauty. And honestly, when we started the company, we could have gone to food or to pharmaceuticals, but our first customer was, was Amore Pacific in Korea. They mm, were yeah. very excited by, by what we were providing them. And so I guess it's more our customer that decided for us than ourselves
0: interesting I love more Pacific I I loved interviewing them when I did they're a really great brand and I mean I think it shows when brands are like you know when they're ready to make that change it shows so I'm glad that they were the first you know first to approach you guys because this is really interesting for beauty you know I think we can all utilize this somehow especially I know you've worked with um also like you know, skincare is kind of I think obvious like how it works, but also just um can you give us like an example of working with like a beauty brand that was not skincare related?
1: We 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 today we're doing about 15% of our annual sales doing makeup. Mm. And so uh we we did a color cosmetic for Rose Inc., an American indie brand, which is uh very interesting and uh what we did in that case is we encapsulated pigment into visible bubbles, visible mm-hmm. beads. And, and again, it's 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 all the question about, you know, making a visual that tells a story. And in that case, encapsulated pigment is a very interesting story. It's also about the skin feel, because if you try this product, it's extremely fresh for a foundation product. Because your first contact is with the water outside, you you will burst the bubble containing the pigment after you start uh, applying the product. So the first contact you have is pure water, actually. And so um, th- this is the angle we took on on this uh, on, on, on the makeup side. We we do a lot of makeup for Chanel. Uh, some mm. some of their famous make- makeup in les Beige, or the tint, the blush, and uh, touche de tint are product we we do with them
0: yeah I've seen that I loved that product when it first came out it was so interesting to look at it you know so I I like that product a lot that's very cool I mean I think you know one of my big questions is actually around the you know how everyone right now I I don't know if you've noticed but a lot of people are really talking about like delivery systems and skincare you know for example they're they're really honing in on this and I think um, more importantly, I think your technology really fascinates me because I, I'm I'm curious from this idea of, you know, once you get something onto the surface of the skin in a way that is like, you know, you have these different um, suspensions and it's like an emulsion kind of thing. So you have these different, um, you know, water-soluble, oil-soluble, you have both of them, those kind of ingredients on the skin. What is, you know, is there anything in terms of benefits of Getting those products more readily into the skin layers, you know, deeper into the top layers. Uh, that you've seen, you know, any data that you've seen from your the brand, you know, partners you have that you know shows that this kind of technology helps in that.
1: I I think we ourselves at Capsule we we don't go into the the detail about how the active ingredient penetrates the skin and everything because um it's it's really mostly the work of the active ingredient companies and uh we we we've just started developing active ingredients so we will slowly go there um but you're right we we see a lot of demand in the industry today for i think we had a lot on clean and that's clean natural but now we want efficacy on in addition to just very clean and very natural formulas so the the delivery system are going to be back as well as all the science and technology on the active ingredients
0: there's really yeah because i was you know i was thinking about you guys in the sense of like you know i wrote a paper a while ago i don't know um if all of you listening out there had a chance to see it but it was about exosomes because exosomes are everywhere Mm -hmm. right now right and so um i was talking about it you know in the paper and it was a review but then i was thinking to myself exosomes are made to degrade You know what I mean? They're in the body, like naturally they're made to be like made and do their function, but then they degrade very quickly. So to see your technology, I could see it being a great way to like preserve them, you know, in a way, like if you were to insert an exosome kind of technology into what you guys create, it could become like this dual, you know what I mean? Way of delivering them in a way, because I think that's where a lot of brands might see their products are degrading on the shelf with exosomes because exosomes are not by themselves stable so you know there's a stability component right yeah right
1: that's actually that that's true because when we do microfluidic skincare yeah microfluidic makeup for that matter we don't use any surfactant to stabilize the emotion because we have these very big bubbles or beads that are the oil. So we have very few interface between the water and the oil. So the need to stabilize is much less. So we don't use any surfactant. We don't need them. And that allows you to put structure in, in the external phase made of this surfactant that will be much more stable than they would be in a normal
0: immersion. Exactly. Yeah, that sounds like so much more like logical to me. Because yeah, I was when I, like I said, you know, I was thinking about the technology and it's great lysosomes, exosomes, everything is great, right in terms of delivery. But how do you keep it stable? You know what I mean? On the shelf, like in the product. And that's where I think you guys are so unique because you're really providing, like you said, that encasing, you know? And so that's very, very beneficial. If I were a brand, I would really consider that because it's more so these days, I think it's about staying stable on the shelf uh, you know on the shelf as a consumer buys your product they want to make sure it's still working you know 12 months down the road and you with these kind of technologies even though they're very novel and they're coming out you still have this problem that needs to be solved you know so that's where i think it would be really cool to see you guys combine with these kind of companies because um it, you know in their efforts because it, it would make sense from a scientific standpoint in my opinion so that's mm-hmm. very cool Try. Yeah, no, I hope you do. I I would love to see that. Um, but Very my question, my next question is, um, so how do you differentiate, differentiate yourself from like, you know, just other competitors in this industry? Because I know you guys were the first to do this and uh, that I've seen. And so how do you deal with that? You know, because I know a lot of uh, companies are coming up nowadays, you know, that are probably mimicking your product or <laughs> creating something similar. So uh, what's the differentiating factor with you guys?
1: You know, I, I think it's always good to see competition copying you. That's um, that's always a good sign, the sign that you're going in the good direction. We are still investing a lot of money and around 20% of our annual sales in R&D. We do innovation by working on the formula, but also working on the manufacturing process, as you understood from the very small uh, pipes to do the, the product. So we have this balance of, Extremely strong engineering innovation and formulation innovation. That is unusual because you, most of the time people do a lot of formulation innovation, but it's they don't really want to change their process or their manufacturing line. We at Capsim we don't care. We are able to change all the machines because suddenly we find a better technology. That's no problem, or to adapt. So we're very flexible and very innovative on that, and we want to to keep that hedge. Um, But the only answer to your question is innovate, innovate, innovate and innovate more.
0: Right. Right. That's I love that. I love that you're so heavily invested in that part, because I think sometimes people, they'll make something great and then they fizzle out. You know what I mean? They don't keep. Investing in that, so that's really cool that you guys are so forward with your R and D because um, we need that, you know, in this industry, especially, especially skincare. The way I see it, you know, from my perspective, because there's a lot of there's a lot of clutter, you know, in the industry, and I think brands right now are trying to find their way you know, and create a impact and make sure that their products are, you know, standing out. And I think investing in this kind of technology is, it's the right step. You know, if you're, if you're trying to create a product and I'm just speaking to all of our audience out there, I know a lot of brand founders are listening in, you know, and you know, if you guys want to create something that's unique, you have to find the people behind the unique technologies, you know what I mean? So you should really look into that before you, you know, embark on this because we have so many serums, so many moisturizers that are just, you know, kind of the same that they've been for 10 years now. There's not much difference, but immediately, for example, you know, Sebastian, when I see like, for example, we had talked about Algenist, right? When you look at Algenist product, you see that there's a difference here. You know, you see the bead, you see that there's some thought that's gone behind this. And there's definitely a value because you can see the results in your actual skin. And so, you know, those technologies are worth investing in and more so than anything else, more so than marketing, you know, more so than anything else. So I think it's a lot of value there, you know, for consumers. And I'm glad that you guys are very heavy on the R&D. But um, Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to ask you, I want to actually ask you a question um, in terms of like working with you guys, right? So if I'm a brand, say tomorrow I start a brand and I want to work with you, you know, what's the process like, you know, how can I reach out to you guys? How can I get in touch with you and, and really work with you and get the process started?
1: So really, in terms of reaching out, it's very easy. You can find me on my LinkedIn. You can find the contact local contacts on our website, I believe. And uh, we're going to come back to trade shows in the US starting uh, early uh, 2024. We have been we had been absent for the last ten years, but uh, we'll come back. Um, so they will be very easy to to find us in the US and and in Europe as well. The way it works. Um, we will never try to sell you something uh, that we have on the shelf. We will always listen to you, try to understand what your brand is about, what your dream is about, and then we will design a product with you. We, We never sell something from the shelf directly.
0: Wow. So what is that process like, like in terms of designing something new, like within your existing framework?
1: You know, it really depends on our customers, our client, the brands, because we sometimes we work with brands that know exactly what they want, and, mm-hmm. and sometimes they, they would know what they want for the active ingredients, they know what they want for the, the visual of the product and the packaging, and sometimes um, on the opposite, we work with people that just want to launch a brand because they have an audience, they have a channel, they have the ability to sell something. Um, yeah. but they need our help to really create the concept and develop the product. And we're happy with both.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, that's interesting because I think, yeah, it's, I can see that why some, like, for example, CSOs might know, you know, this is what we're doing help us figure out how to do it you know but then I always think about the smaller brands that are they might have the funding but they don't know you know where to start so that's it's good that you work with people you know one-on-one because I think um, this is a realm that a lot of new brand founders don't know much about which is accessing these kind of technologies you know what I mean so it's like a lot of times we see things you know huge companies like Estee Lauder we see huge companies that are you know Um, doing this and they have access to this information but there are brands out there that i know would you know they'd love to be able to do this but sometimes they don't know the best way you know to kind of go about it so that's really cool you guys are working with you know people one-on-one
1: and and we're very happy to to work with new brands and indie brands we've done it a lot in the u.s over the last three four years and uh, it's it has gone very well
0: yeah. No, I, I like that. That's really, I mean, accessibility, I think is the king of, you know, finding the best products, right? For, I mean, if you become accessible, then, you know, brands everywhere, whether it's indie, or it's large brands, like they should be able to access technologies. And that's one of the questions I did have for you, Sebastian, is this idea of where do you see our industry, you know, in terms of like the skincare and beauty industry, when it comes to innovation, do you feel like we're moving forward or do you feel like there's only a finite amount of innovation i mean just your opinion about that i think there is
1: actually a huge amount of innovation because there is such a strong ask from consumer for clean and for sustainable and for high efficacy and also for the aesthetic of the product so i think the, the demand of the consumer has actually increased significantly over the last I would say five to 10 years and, and it's more and more and more we really need to find solutions. Um, and so I, I, you know, as much as every six months, I think, Oh my God, uh, maybe we we don't have space to innovate more. There's always space and the space is huge. I don't, now I can sleep very well. I know we will do a lot of innovation in the coming years just because the market is asking for them.
0: That's interesting yeah i'm I'm glad to hear that because I get lost, you know what I mean, just like I think all, all the consumers out there can relate we get lost in the is there something going on in the background that we don't know about or not because people are always coming out with new new things, and I think um in the innovation side, I'm always like you know wondering how much. You know, headway are we making? How much more innovation are we really producing? You know, yearly, and it's interesting to hear that perspective. But, but
1: yeah, but you know, I tell you, there are innovations you see, and we we have specialized a lot in that because we see you can really, um, we we you you can really see a, a capsule product when you walk into the duty free at the airport because of the small bubbles, and they are very identifiable. But there are also things in our products and in many other products that you don't see. And I'm going to give you an example about why I think innovation is going to be more and more and more. Uh, For instance, we we opened two years ago a facility in Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. And we wanted this facility to be best in class for sustainable manufacturing. And to start that journey, we started with a water skincare product, as you know, are mostly made from water. And so we wanted sustainable water which is a concept that, you know, is not that obvious. And what we ended up doing is finding an aquifer with inside a huge amount of natural, highly salted water. That's a resource that nobody cares about. Nobody can use it to feed humans, to feed animals, or to grow anything. So we decided to to make a well that goes 1200 feet below the surface of the factory to take that water, and then to desalinate the water using reverse osmosis and of course, solar energy to get yeah. sustainable water. And all our product in the US are made with this, this water. So you see, that's an innovation you don't see, but for me, it's it's a very important innovation
0: for the industry that's huge yeah that's really really big I mean that's uh, that's the kind of stuff we need <laughs> to be you know to not deplete our natural resources that's really cool Sebastian I didn't know that that's very very interesting so you guys just use like uh reverse osmosis like the machines we see in like just normal labs right like just a bigger version of that or how what was the logistics of that that sounds like it's a bigger you know
1: <laughs> it's just a much 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 bigger version of that but that's what it is yes
0: Wow, that's so cool. That's really cool. So you use that water then you can use that in the technologies even for like beauty products then. Um because it's cleaned out. Yeah, the 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 standard for uh, water
1: in the beauty industry in the US are actually extremely stringent. Yeah. So we need to remove the salt but also really clean the water to cosmetic standard, which are actually more difficult to obtain than than drinkable water for cities so you 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 really need to push the envelope of cleaning your water very high to be able to do skincare product with it and so we, we do that
0: wow so how do you ensure for example because I know I'm sure you guys have this you know really in-depth quality control stuff going on right in the back so how do you ensure quality control for for a technology like this you know and maintaining consistency when it, you're developing your products for various brands like what is the process of that
1: you just need to measure and test a lot all the time
0: okay so so it's a difference for every brand then right like they get different reports or it's like the same kind of Testing. No, the,
1: the, the, the testing is, is quite well standardized. Uh, we, I mean, Capsuma has grown with luxury brands in France. Initially, our first customer were a luxury brand, the Chanel, the La Prairie, and these people. And of course, they have very strong demand on, on that side. So we, we learn with them. And so we apply this standard for every product we do. And as a result, that's okay for all the other people.
0: That's interesting. See, I'm asking because like, I'm just trying to figure out like, if you are a brand, like, for example, if you're a brand and you, ha- you know, you're going to be using such ingredients, right? Like, like say 10 ingredients. And I come to you and I say, you know, 10 ingredients I want in my product, you know, and I want you guys to use your technology to put them together. Like, would I have to then find a supplier to like, bring you those ingredients and then you go through your own process of making sure they're aligned with your quality control? Or how does that work? Like, you know, working across the the industry, you know, between suppliers, for example, like, you know, whether it's ingredient suppliers, you know, and then you guys, and how does that whole process work?
1: Uh, Again, that's really a matter of who the brand is. Sometimes the brand comes with their own ingredients. Sometimes they actually come with proprietary ingredients active ingredient and they have tested them and they are sure of them. So in that case, we don't do anything because we don't want to add costs that are not necessary. And sometimes people are less sure or they ask us to test for them. And in that case, we are happy to do it. So it's, it's really a discussion. Of course, then when you, if you are an indie brand um, and you want help into choosing what we think are the most reliable supplier of this or that active ingredient we are also happy to help with that.
0: That's cool that's really cool so you guys have that ability to like really help you know hold a uh, you know customer's hand if they don't have the extra you know like the extra yes. supplier you can really guide them in that way that's cool. Right
1: absolutely and and, and- as, as I mentioned before, we, we very recently started to also develop our own active ingredients. And yeah. um, we, we did that because we basically set up a precision indoor farm within our manufacturing facility in Austin. So now we can grow biomass without any impact on the environment and do the extract in the facility where we're going to produce your serum or your creams
0: wow that's really cool so you guys are kind of becoming the you can supply the ingredients then as well from this this resource.
1: we were trying to do these from seed to jar and being as clean as we can uh with full traceability and full quality control
0: interesting that's so cool so you know i want to ask you then you know in terms of your opinion because I'm in the process right now of creating like a seal, you know, and, and it's a seal for scientific accuracy, right. For brands, because the thing is, as I'm sure, you know, Sebastian, there's no, there's nothing out there right now that ensures that what you're doing is, you know, as a brand, like it's gone through like clinical trials, it's gone through, you know, all these, like th- these hurdles that we have to go through. Like if, for example, if we're creating a drug or something like that, right. In medicine. Yeah. And one of the questions that I'm, you know, I've incorporated into this and I've also done, I had to do a lot of research around this was this idea of you know how do you make sure that what is coming in for like whatever you're using to manufacture your product like whatever ingredient that is if it's meeting the requirements of like for example like active levels you know what i mean like stuff like that like do you have any way of measuring that i mean do you, what do you think about in terms of the industry does the industry have something where there's a standard you know for ingredients that you know you have to meet in terms of okay if you're using this specific ingredient it should be this active you know what i mean in and, and some quantifiable way you know do you look at stuff like that yeah
1: yeah i think i think we do and our customer do as well i think when and and the supplier of active ingredient, when they are serious, they would they would identify what is the molecule that is mostly responsible for the activity they claim, and then they will dose it. So it, it, when you work with serious suppliers, and there are plenty of them on the market today, they will do that. Of course, it's not a requirement. So as you say, it's it's more the way you think about your brand and what you want to achieve with it. So one way is the supplier are going to measure, the brand is going to measure, we're going to measure. That's one side to view that. The other one is if you do precision indoor farming, because you control everything when your biomass is is growing, you control the light, you control the wind, you control the watering, you control the color of the light. um, The profile of ingredient in your plant is going to be always exactly the same
0: interesting yeah it's a very measured uh growth that you're doing okay absolutely. that makes sense yeah so you know that's very fascinating to me because I feel like so if you know for example if I come to you and I say I want things to be dosed in very like nano levels right I mean there are some like there are some ingredients like for example um some actives that we are so used to seeing but Really, what we're finding out as a scientific community, um, as I'm sure you've seen, is that like, like microdosing is the next step, I feel like, you know, for a lot of things. And so with that in mind, you know, how can we really control that? Do you think that it would be beneficial to go with Capsum's technology if I am a brand that is, in you know, really invested in this idea of microdosing? Because that would be, I think, really cool, right, it, to be able to use your beads to Microdose and to put exact amounts, you know, of an uh, ingredient in there rather than just randomly it's dispersed enough in a, in a you know big container and we don't know how much is coming out every time you you know dispense it, that kind of thing.
1: You know, mm-hmm. we 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 also do standard emulsion, so we have the two processes we mostly do microfluidic product, but we also do um what I call normal emulsion or standard emulsion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this matter of putting the amount of active ingredient precisely and always the same is really about do people work well on the floor in your factory or not and do you control what is done and do you measure and and i think um we 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 just it's for brands the first advice is really find a reliable with high quality control suppliers then of course if you put the microdose in, in the bubbles, um, it's it's going to be very interesting in terms of explaining your consumer what you're doing uh, and the control is going to be very good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, especially with the explaining to people, I think <laughs> that's really the the challenge, you know, explaining why you're doing what you're doing. I mean, I think it, that's interesting, though, because I, I ask because I feel like that is what a lot of people are trying to do. And that's why we're seeing things like exosomes, lysosomes, you know, all these different uh, variations of what I think are very similar technologies, because people are trying to get to this point where you're starting to use specific doses. And, you know, Sebastian, the crazy part is, is that we're sitting here right now, you know, 2023, having this conversation about dosing in OTC products. But when I started this podcast, you will not believe I never saw this concept you know, the idea of dose, it never, it was nowhere. Like one of my first episodes was about that alone, (laughs) about me talking about, you know, like, why don't we have a dose, you know, for everything, like there should be. So that is what I, like, when I look at what you guys have made here, that's where immediately my brain, the first thing it thinks is that, okay, this is, it's a way to control the dose of what you're putting out there and to show consumers that you've done that. Because like you said, capsule technology is visible you know, you can see it, you can see the beads, you can see the, that it's there. And I think that is, it goes a long way for consumers. You know, we want to be able to visibly see that a brand has put in the time to think about that. And, you know, when it comes to OTC products, the regulations are very minimal in the US, you know what I mean? And so when you, if you can add that in as a brand for all my founders out there listening, if you can add that, aspect in yourself by utilizing technologies that show visibly to consumers that you've, you know, thought about this and that you've actually considered this, that's huge. You know, that is, for me, it's going to make me buy your product more because I'm going to know that you've put that thought in. And so, I mean, I just find it to be fascinating, you know, in just three years, things have changed so much because it, I didn't see it back then, you know, when I started Skincare Anarchy. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think it will change faster and faster now because we measure more things we have the ability to measure the the impact and and really what what product do for every people at a more granular level so maybe for every individual more and more and also we we have this huge amount of data and that's for your sleep that's for your exercising so very soon it's coming it's going to come to beauty, and and really, when you start measuring and you start measuring the impact or the amount you need, or you start using AI to understand who you are and so what you need, um, immediately after this this dosing becomes important.
0: I agree. I 100% agree. I think, you know, I think the more educated we get as consumers, the brands will follow. You know what I mean? And I think you're right in the sense that it's going to, this is going to start expanding because I think consumers now, they want that. You know, they want the information. Like we're all looking at our ingredient lists more and more. You know, we're all looking at, well, how much of what did you use? When? Why? You know, and these questions are coming up now where before, It wasn't like that. It was like more about labels, you know, like, okay, well, this company made it, so it must be good, you know, or so-and-so made it, it must be good. But now with all the indie brands and all these, you know, new endeavors that we see, people are not asking and questioning more, which is, I think, great, you know. So um, I'm excited to see that you guys are growing and and really expanding and you're at the frontier of this kind of technology because we need it. You know, we, we do. Consumers need it. Brands need it. And I think for everyone listening, there's definitely a lot to learn, you know, by studying uh, more about technologies, more so than just brands themselves, because even brands need these kind of innovations, right? So that's what's really making them a great brand. And so I really urge you guys out there, if you're listening, you know, uh, definitely do your homework. And if you have any questions, um, you can you know, chime in, let us know. But Sebastian, thank you so much. This has been so great just to talk to you and learn from you because I didn't know anything about microfluidic technology uh, when we sat down. So I feel like I'm better versed now.
1: Thank you, It was a great pleasure to talk to you and to try to explain as well as possible the technology and uh, what we can provide.
0: Thank you so much. And for everyone listening, uh, make sure you guys chime in and I will be back next time. Thank you. Thank you.